Hey, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back to the show. Very excited. I'm very excited to jump back into a great conversation with Brother Brett Hickey on Second Mile Christianity and putting on that mindset of serving others before self and wanting to do whatever we can to help the members of our community, the members of our congregation, and serving Christ in general through going the extra mile. Let's jump right back into this conversation with Brother Brett on Second Mile Christianity. Well, first of all, when I read this passage and I reflect on you know, just what you were sharing, um, it is so convicting. And it's helped me because I've been in situations where I feel like people maybe have not conducted themselves right. And, you know, the human tendency is separate from what Jesus is teaching here is if somebody's not treating you right, then, you know, you don't have to treat them right. But this passage is so convicting because it says it doesn't really matter who they are or how they're acting or how they have acted. You serve them. You have a humble spirit towards them. And you brought up the point where somebody said, yeah, that was Jesus. He's the son of God. What'd you expect? He's perfect. Right. Yeah, but the Apostle Paul uh-huh. was far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, public enemy number one in the church for the first five or so years. Right. But look at how boldly he took up his own cross. He knew about the second mile, the third, and beyond. He was repeatedly in prison, but he kept carrying his cross. He'd fall into the weight of it and get back up, repeatedly beaten in different ways. He never cried uncle, repeatedly at death's door, repeatedly shipwrecked, pelted with stones, and left for dead. All of this and more we find in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 and 28. But he labored on. Instead of murmuring and complaining, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Two verses earlier, he's talking about the grace of God. He felt it. He got it. He understood it. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's what he's talking about in this whole passage. There's a part of our insides uh, beyond the flesh. There's a capacity that we have to be like Jesus. No, we're not ever going to be sinless. But we have the ability to have a heart like Jesus. And when we develop that capacity, we have an empowered influence uh, similar to that that Jesus had. When we just act like everybody else, it's kind of like what we read, wasn't in the first passage, Matthew 5, verse 48. Yeah, big deal. If people treat you nice, you treat them nice. Everybody does that. I mean, only... Only the insane are going to be mean to those who treat them right. But that's just, that's par. And we're following Christ. And that's what gets people's attention. And that's what gets God's attention. When he sees that we really are trying to follow the example of Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, he goes on to say, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We've got to focus on the things which we can't see with our eyes. We've got to focus on the potential in those individuals that may be mistreating us. If they're taking advantage of us 
And instead of snarling, instead of retaliating, we are gracious to them. You know, it's not going to be very many times that that occurs that all of a sudden they say, you know what? This isn't fun anymore. This isn't working. And what's going on with that guy? Why is he acting this way? Why isn't he acting and reacting like everybody else? There's something different there. And it's going to move people to want to find out what exactly that is, who that is that's making a difference. It's shocking sometimes when people treat you poorly, that when you don't respond in such a way, it almost awakens within them the attitude that they've taken. And let, let me explain what I mean. Um, I taught in elementary school for seven years, mm. right? And I saw a lot of bullies on the playground when, as the teacher looking out and seeing kids play with each other. But the difference between being a school teacher and being a student, you know, we've all gone through school. Maybe we all either were bullied or were the bully. Um, the teacher knows the story of their home life in ways that a lot of kids don't. Yes. And so I was able to know, especially for the kids who were being the bully, I was able to have sympathy for them because I knew what was going on at home and how this was just them trying to make sense trying to have control over something that they could control because life was spinning out of control. Now, take that elementary example and apply it to human nature. And a lot of times when somebody lashes out or is just being really rotten towards you and you respond with kindness and love and going the second mile with them, it awakens them to see that, you know, that's not who they are. Mm -hmm. That's not what they're meant to be. And instead of being two-dimensional characters... You know, well, that's just an angry guy. Yeah. And that's just a, you know, a blasphemer or a curse or whatever, you know. They start to realize that they have been doing the wrong thing, but they can change just as quickly as you have decided to change. So That's right. For what it's worth for those listening to the person who cuts you off in traffic, you don't know. I mean, they they may have been selfish in a moment, but we don't know what was going on in their life that's led them up to that moment. I always feel good when I remember the thought that hurting people hurt people, that there's always often a reason behind that if we knew some of the, the history, we would better understand mm. and be more sympathetic to the behaviors that are unpleasant from others. That's right. Um, going the second mile, I'll add this, uh, is as tangible about putting others above yourself as doing extra things, you know? Uh, so going the second mile doesn't mean I simply just want to uh, go one more mile. It's about helping that person out mm-hmm. and uh, putting self down. We're trying to get rid of self-promotion, and we're trying to promote that person who needs our help. So I guess I'd like to ask this question. Let, let, let's just think big picture here. But what kind of a difference do you think it would make if every member of the church attempted to take the lower place mm. instead of seeking the high place in the kingdom of heaven. What kind of a world would we be living in? Wow. <laughs> yeah, again, I, it embarrasses me because I know sometimes I'm the problem. But I think I think if every member of the church, if in our homes that, you know, everybody acted this way and if somebody was having a bad day, then we just took the hit ourselves and uh, we were the ones that were defrauded, um, and all those relationships would improve. There, there wouldn't be there'd be no such thing as congregational division. 
right. uh, some of those raging storms that uh, mm-hmm. you know seem to plague some congregations. You know, those would never arise, or if they did, they could quickly be quelled. And um, Jesus is giving us a formula in Matthew chapter five that, if we would just follow, would make it better for all of us. Right. But our self keeps getting in the way. Mm. I think it's interesting. It's just a coincidence. But if you spell self backwards and then you put an H at the end, you get flesh. (laughs) And the self and the flesh, they're so tied together and we get in our own way and we get in the way of, of progress in the church and our relationships are are damaged whereas if we have the spirit of cooperation or a spirit of hyper cooperation just how much better things things would go be willing to be inconvenienced for others mm-hmm. be willing to be inconvenienced that could be time could be money could be energy there's a lot of ways to be inconvenienced yes. uh, it's easy to think that it could be one way when it could be others you know there's an attitude that that I think we should strive for um, when we're trying to seek that second mile to find the low place to wash somebody else's feet, I think it's human nature to want to find a reward in what we've done. You know, hey, look at me. I just went the second mile. Hmm. Look what I did. You know, hashtag washing someone's feet right now. You know, <laughs> check this out. But um, one of my favorite scriptures is Luke chapter 17, verse 10. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you were commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. That's a great perspective for me. Even when I, if I go the, not just the second mile, but the 2,000 and second mile, mm-hmm. at the end of it, when I put that load down, I should still be saying, I'm unprofitable I'm only doing what Jesus asked me to do. That's what makes this teaching so, I guess, outlandish for people who aren't familiar with the Christian faith is a a Christian who really wants to serve Jesus at the end of doing some of the most glorious things doesn't want credit for it. We want to give it all to God. Yes. Nothing to boast about, nothing to brag about. This is just minimum expectations. This is just who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul, um, I think, modeled this attitude as well. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he said, uh, less than the least of all sinners mm. in reference to himself. Uh, what do you think he means by that phrase, less than the least of all sinners? You think he's trying to, I don't know, maybe puff himself up on the, on the sly? Just, uh, I'm going to go ahead and declare I'm the least, and by doing that, people are going to boast in how how least I am less than the least of all the saints. I don't think he's trying to boast. I think he had just a realistic assessment of who he was. Mm. Uh, we tend to think of ourselves a little bit better than we, we are. And the apostle Paul, first Corinthians fifteen ten, he did a lot. He was a hard worker. Nobody worked harder than he did, but less than the least of all the saints. Of course, this is not um, a literal uh, statement, but metaphorically, he's recognizing his insignificance. And, you know, when he speaks of himself as the chief 
of sinners. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we think of that and we think of who he was and then we think, well, who am I? And how do I compare to the Apostle Paul? Am I as good as the Apostle Paul? Who, who among us would say, yeah, I'm about the same level. <laughs> but if, if we're less than him and he's less, he's saying he's less than the least of all the saints, uh, that helps me just figure out exactly how I should view myself. Mm -hmm. And if I view myself like that, then what am I going to be doing? I'm not going to be looking down on everybody else. I'm going to be looking up at everyone else. And if I'm looking up at everyone else and honoring and respecting them, then that's just going to strengthen all of my relationships. I like what Romans 12 verse 10 says. There the Bible says, this is the English Standard Version, outdo one another. Oh, well, that sounds like what I want to do. I want to outdo. <laughs> outdo one another, though he goes on to say, in showing honor. Uh -huh. So he's saying, I want to do better at looking up to and showing respect and demonstrating honor to others than everybody else. But when you think about it, you're saying, I, I want to take the lowest seat. I want to find the very lowest seat in the house. And that's where I want to sit. Well, you're really not going to be bragging about that. Mm -hmm. It's you're really striving to be more like Jesus. It seems like with Paul, the X factor is to have this extreme awareness of his sinfulness mm -hmm. and Jesus' mission to forgive that sinfulness. And so going the second mile is uh, there is a discipline of understanding what you've done and what Jesus has done and the gratitude that comes from it. Do you think perhaps that that has something to do, you know, in our last talk, we were talking about the reign of grace. Mm -hmm. Maybe he appreciates better this reign of grace and he was able to speak of it so fluently because he fully understood the debt that he owed that he realized what a sinner he was and that he really shouldn't have had this opportunity and so he's so grateful and that motivated him what go the, go the first mile uh, this is for jesus i'll go the second mile third do i need to go th a third mile not a problem because right. he kept those things in perspective. There's, you know, I, I feel torn in that idea of a great sinner appreciating his great sin more than a little sinner. Mm. I do think, you know, when Jesus said, he who is forgiven much will love much, and he's forgiven little loves little, I think there's a practical application that I'll never know what it's like to, to be a, a, a church killer like Paul was. Yeah. I'll never know what it's like to be a prodigal and wallow in the filth the way some people have that have lost decades of their life before mm -hmm. they obeyed the gospel. But I'm, I'm torn because when I know what sin is, being a little sinner is not going to save me mm. any less than being a great sinner is going to condemn them. Yeah. Sin, sin is sin. I think about Luke 18, you know, the two guys that were praying. Right. And obviously the publican had been in the gutter more and deeper than the other gentleman, mm -hmm. but he had this painful awareness and he was the one that walked away justified. Right. Because he was willing to confront right. just who he was. Whereas with a lot of the people that Jesus was dealing with, uh, they were living in a fantasy land. <laughs> uh, they sinned. I mean, in Matthew chapter 15, what they were doing to their parents and yeah. failing to honor them, man, that's that's gross. But 
that wasn't a sin at all as far as they were concerned. They had that right. all that all explained away. Mm-hmm. I, I love in Luke chapter 7, uh, the passage there uh, is so powerful in, in this vein. He said, Jesus turned to the woman, and this woman was a notoriously sinful woman, right? and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. These were customary mm-hmm. signs of hospitality. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Now he's sitting over there, he's self-righteous, and he's dabbled in a sin here or there, you make you wonder, was he one of those guys that was cheating his parents? Who knows what was <laughs> what his little sanitary sins were. Right. But Jesus says, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. He makes it like he finally had to say, please stop kissing my feet. He j- right. She wouldn't stop. You didn't anoint my head with oil. <clears throat> But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And that was a statement you were alluding to. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. When I read that, I don't really think that Jesus is saying, okay, Simon, you're the guy over there that has so few sins. Granted, she had a lot of sins, and hers were, uh, you know, scandalous sins. They're out in the open. Yeah, but the problem with uh, Simon was he just kind of ignored his sins. Right. And he just, they weren't significant to him. Mm-hmm. And when I think of that, I think nobody's, nobody's in a position where they can really say, I've got so few sins. That's right. And my sins are so little that, you know, I'm glad Jesus is here, but I probably could have got by without him. <laughs> um I think the key this to me this is one of the central themes in scripture is getting what a sinner I am. Right. Doesn't matter if it's blue collar, white collar, how down and dirty those sins were, those sins uh-huh. are what put Jesus on the cross. Uh-huh. Those sins, no matter what they were, were what separated me from God. Right. And if I don't come face to face with the horror of my sin and what it did to Jesus and what it put the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit through, then I'm never going to get get this whole scheme, this whole system. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you're born and raised third generation in the church versus somebody who's come out of darkness mm-hmm. first generation, both persons' sins are great in the eyes of God if they're not been repented of. Yes. And so for those who are listening and thinking, well, you know, my granddaddy was in the church and mm-hmm. my daddy was in the church and I'm, you know, I'm just going to do it because that's what they've done. Well, it's probably a easier of a temptation to be like Simon was in this story. But your sins, if not repented of, are as great for those out there who are listening. I'm using the finger quotes mm-hmm. as great as the woman in the eyes of a Lord who is a just and holy God. I think about the idea from uh, the book of Revelation of not being cold uh, or hot, or, or being cold or hot and not lukewarm. Right. And I think about uh, the difference between in the story of the prodigal son of the brother who stayed home uh-huh. and the brother who left. One thing about the brother who left, man, he was cold. <laughs> and there was no question of whether or not he needed to repent. Right. And he knew what he needed to do. But the brother, he seemed a little bit confused 
about who he was and where he was at. And that was the issue so many times with Jesus' antagonists. And for those of us who've been raised up, second, third generation uh, Christians, that is a real danger mm-hmm. for us. That's probably its own topic that I might put a sticky note down to bring you back sometime, and we'll talk about that, is being born and raised in the church and the uh, some of the issues that go along with that. Um, this conversation we've just had the past few minutes, I think can be summed up by saying that there is an awareness to one's own sinfulness that once one appreciates what Jesus has done, going the extra mile really is not that challenging. Mm-hmm. Because if Jesus has done it all, then of course I want to go the extra mile. It's a privilege. Yes. It's an honor to get to go the extra mile and not just a burden or something I have to do or, oh, it's another chore. But man, I can't wait to get to go the extra mile for Jesus. I'm wondering if as we're closing, uh, maybe you want to give a final word about um, the extra mile. Uh, yeah, I, I think about it this way. You know, what if it was Jesus asking us to go the extra mile? If Jesus asked, hey, I have a favor. If he was actually here, he's not. Uh-huh. But if he was asking us to go an extra, the extra mile, if he was asking us to do him a favor, well, we'd, we'd run. Right. We'd be happy to do that. We'd jump at the opportunity. There'd be a long line of people that, oh, let me help. Uh, can I help? <laughs> but he is the one that's asking. He's not asking... He's not the one asking directly, but he's telling us that we get in that situation for him, go the extra mile. Uh, I think of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and it's all about putting to death the flesh and allowing the Spirit of Christ to take over who I am. Mm -hmm. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Man, that's the... In a nutshell, that's what Christianity is all about. But sometimes I have to admit, you know, I'm kicking and screaming at the idea. I have to do what? In this situation, I have to act how? Mm. Christ lives in me. I'm going to act a different way. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I remember what Jesus has done for me, as we both stated throughout this message then you know for him there's there's nothing there's not we cannot be asked to do too great of a task there's no task too great to be asked right well brother thank you so much for coming on the podcast i'm wondering if you'd take just a moment and for anybody out there who is listening um you have a television program a website that has video audio resources galore. Let the Bible Speak's been on the air for a long time. Would you take a moment to maybe sum it up for somebody that's unfamiliar with the program? Yeah, Let the Bible Speak has been airing for, I think, about 55 years. Ronnie Wade started in Springfield, Lebanon, Missouri area. And uh, about 10 years ago, uh, he asked me on behalf of the Mission Hills congregation to step in. And I've really enjoyed the opportunities to do this. And now we've got well over 400, I would say 450 sermons available you can watch them on video you can hear the audio you can mm-hmm. read and study the transcripts which i think is the the best part of what what's available on let the bible speak dot uh, com and um you know depending on where you live um you can go to let the bible speak dot com and you can 
see which areas, uh, see if the area you live in is uh, actually airs the program. Uh, you can watch the program live and, and tell others about it. Well, brother, may God bless you richly in that program, in your local work, in your gospel meetings that you hold. Uh, I'm thankful for you and for working with you, and I hope this isn't the last time you come on, so I look forward to the next time we get to work together here, Lord willing. This has been a joy. Thanks, brother. Well, that's all for this week, and I'm so thankful once again for Brett to come on to the program to talk with us about it and have a good conversation. It's motivating to me. I hope it's motivating to you as well to put on this discipline or to put on this uh, mindset so that we can be second-mile Christians and go beyond what's the normal duty of man and woman, but to go beyond it and, and be the follower of Christ that he'd have us to be in this way. If you have time, please go to pureandsimplebible.com. You can find other podcast episodes. You can find videos, workbook downloads. Anything that is on the site is yours to download and use absolutely free. So go check it out when you have time. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.